This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 148. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. This is the place where you get regular language learning tips and advice to help keep you motivated on your journey to learn a language. And if you're new here, please subscribe. You can pull out your phone or whatever it is that you use and hit the subscribe button to make sure that you get the well future episodes delivered directly to you because we wouldn't want you to miss anything. That would be a shame. <laughs> now, we've got a great question from Afghanistan today. Um, but before we get to that, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show who I will be referring to during the course of the episode. italki is an online marketplace for teachers where you can find teachers, conversation partners, informal tutors in any language, any dialect pretty much that you are learning. It's the place that I use every week to get my language practice. And if you'd like to get a free lesson, you can go to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Now today, I think this is our first question from Afghanistan. Um, So very excited about that. Here is Rana. Hi, Ali. My name is Rana and I'm from Afghanistan. Uh, I'm really enjoying from your podcast. It's really awesome and helpful. Uh, I have been learning English for one year. And I have a question. How people can learn other language in their own country? Thanks. Rana, thank you very much for your question. It's great to hear from you. Great to have a question from Afghanistan as well. I don't know if you're there right now or if you're if you're elsewhere, but a wonderful question. And it's a theme that's come up, well, that does come up from time to time on the podcast because most of us are in that situation. You know, I'm here in the UK and I spend my time studying Thai and Cantonese. Um, and the UK is most certainly not <laughs> Thailand or Hong Kong. So... And, you know, everyone who is listening to this as well, like most people will find themselves in a similar situation. If you go back and listen to earlier episodes of the podcast, you'll find a number of questions on this theme and you'll be able to hear from other people who are in a similar situation. Uh, just for example, there's episode 56, which is all about do I have to travel abroad? Um, and to answer this question, how can I learn a language from home? Let's just start by thinking about why going to another country might not be the best thing to do. Often, people who go abroad to learn a language, they they, they kind of start off with this um, quite romantic vision of what it's going to be like. You know, I'll just um, turn up in the country and everybody will speak to me in the language and I'll become fluent in, in weeks because I'll be immersed in the language. Of course, it doesn't usually work work out like that. If you're a beginner, nobody's going to want to talk to you and because you can't speak the language. Um, they're more likely to talk to you in English so they can practice their English. Uh, and, it, you know, it's a very common situation or a very common experience to find yourself in uh, a country for some time and not really get a chance to speak the language at all, which is um, a terrible... It can be a very demotivating experience. And I've, I've had that... Um, some bad cases of that in the past myself, so I know what it's like. As a beginner, certainly, I will always recommend that you start learning a new language from home. And there are so many reasons for this. You have, your life is generally stable. You have, you can organize your own time. You probably have a bit of disposable income so you can afford teachers and materials and things like that. You're in control, basically. 
Now, as uh, Richard Benton pointed out to me some time ago, often, and this is something that we all know, but it's kind of easy to forget, depending on where you live, there may be many speakers of the language, many native speakers of the language you want to learn on your doorstep. If you live in London, for example, you have every language in the world right here. In particular, you know, Polish, uh, Spanish, Italian, it's everywhere. So, you know, depending on where you live, there may be many, many opportunities to practice it locally. So when you combine all these different factors, learning a language from your home country can be really, really good. And I would always recommend you do that. Now, in terms of what to do, the, the most important thing when you're learning a new language is you've got to build your foundational knowledge. You have to learn the basics. And it's quite easy to learn the basics because you can just get a textbook or you can go to a class. And as long as you spend a good, you know, I, I would say probably between 30 to 50 hours um, studying the language, then you're going to learn the real basics and have, you know, be able to have your first simple conversations in the language. Now, you don't need to be abroad for that. You can do that perfectly well from home with a book and with a teacher. And that is the best way to learn. There's no need to spend money going abroad. The um, the other thing that I would definitely make sure to do, apart from your regular study, and, and, and regular study is important, you know, I would say that, you know, if you want to pick up a new language, you have to be working at it every day. I would say that at least 30 to 60 minutes a day is important to get some motivation and some momentum going, and that's self-study. But beyond that, once you've gone through the basics, it's very important to start speaking and to have the experience of speaking because if you don't, then you run the risk of becoming afraid of speaking, perhaps becoming nervous of talking with native speakers, but also because it helps you improve in general because you get the practice of actually taking the stuff that you're learning and articulating it, using it in conversation, and then you get to see people's reactions and you get feedback which helps you improve. So I will always go onto italki, which I mentioned, who, who sponsor the show, and I will find either a conversation partner or a tutor to, to help me have some simple conversations in the language. And that way I can have this kind of two-pronged approach of, on the one hand, studying the language by myself, and then on the other hand, actually putting it into practice and using it. And, you know, the internet is a, is a marvel for this, and you've got Skype to help you speak as much as you want. Now, just by doing that, you can get quite far in a language. I mean, you know, my Cantonese, for example, I got it up to a, you know, a good intermediate level without ever spending any time in Hong Kong. Um, and it's very common for people to do that. I mean, a lot of people who, who take my courses, for example, or who've studied with me in the past are learning from home. And it's perfectly possible to do. But you do obviously need a bit of commitment and dedication and a, and a good uh, work ethic <laughs> in terms of studying. Now, after you reach this intermediate stage, and it's difficult to say how long that would take, but let's say six to 12 months of, of, of good study, this is the point where traveling abroad can really help. Because just as I'm finding at the moment with, with my Cantonese, you can really easily hit a bit of a roadblock and you find it difficult to keep improving because there's only like studying will only ever take you too far uh, so far there comes a point where you really have to kind of push through the pain barrier a bit 
be surrounded by the language, have to use it with native speakers in order to go through to the next level. So if there is a point where you should go to spend time in another country to, to, to learn a language, it is from that kind of intermediate-ish level where you can already speak and communicate, so people will want to talk to you, um, and but you've, you've obviously still got a lot to learn. So from that intermediate stage onwards, going abroad can be very, very useful. Of course, if you do happen to have lots of native speakers in your local community, then you can always do it that way. I learnt my Spanish and my Portuguese, for example, purely in London by just going out with um, with the native speakers every night and hanging out with them. So there are many, many ways to skin a cat. Um, there's many ways to skin this particular cat, but what you really do need to do is make sure that you're actively using the language in order to feel that tangible progress. Because the long-term question is, how do you stay motivated? You know, Rana, if you are motivated enough and you study for long enough, you will become fluent in the language that you're learning, whether it's English or any any other language. Often time is your biggest, your greatest friend because your brain processes information over time. You, um, you, you learn lots of new things over time. You, you can have more time. You have more immersion, more exposure to the language over time. So time is your, is your biggest friend. All you have to do is learn how to stay motivated in order to take advantage of that time. And so when it comes to studying and learning, one of the most important principles is that once you've learned the basics in a language, you need to study in a way that matches your interests. So your study material, the films you watch, the books you read, need to be on a topic or on topics that are interesting for you. If you do that, not you will spend a lot of time with the language and you'll learn a lot more. Now, you can do this in a lot of different ways, um, but it, I think you can you, know, you can obviously start with books, you can read blogs, you can find um, local language societies or meetup groups. There are many different ways to get exposure to, to the language that you're learning, but the more that you can do it in a way that interests you, the better. So, you know, if you're really into politics, for example, then read books on politics, watch TV shows on politics, whatever it may be. That's the key to stay motivated, and then time will often do the rest of the work. Of course, there's a lot more to say. I mean, anything else that I could say really just has to do with language learning techniques in general. And so you've got the rest of the podcast, all previous 147 episodes for that. But those, I think, are the main things to to consider, the kind of the, the, the big key f- uh, factors to take into consideration when you're thinking about the long-term aim of becoming fluent in a language. The, the only other thing that I would say is I think an exam in the language can be a useful source of external motivation and accountability, depending on the situation you're in. I've known many people living abroad, whether you know it was students that I met during my time in Egypt or Qatar or Japan, who would take English exams and they just found that it gave them something very, very solid to aim for. Um, in a, a few episodes back, class from Germany, who is learning Italian, is aiming for the C1 proficiency exam in Italian because he um, he wrote to me recently, was telling me about this, and he you know he said like I, I feel like I need this motivation to to push me forward, and it gives you something much more tangible to aim for, and I think that's great. So, Rana, you might like to consider studying for an exam. In reality, I usually find 
some combination of these things work best. You know, so I've gone through periods in my Cantonese, for example, of speaking, doing nothing but speaking every day. Um, more recently, I've done nothing but study every day. Um, I'm about to go to Hong Kong very soon, so I'll be hopefully doing a lot of speaking again. If there were, if there was an exam in Cantonese, I might consider studying for that. You don't have to do everything at the same time, but finding a way to stay motivated, stay interested, and having a bit of uh, accountability along the way is a great thing to do. The other thing you can do is join my Facebook group because there's lots of uh, cool people, amazing people in the Facebook group who are sort of making friends, uh, having language exchanges and things like that. So go to Facebook and search for Fluency Mastermind. If you'd like to join um, the that, that Facebook group, we'd love to have you there. So I hope that was helpful, Rana. Thank you very much for your question. If you would like to ask me a question, then you're very welcome. Please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash ask in order to do that. Now, at the end of every episode, I like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. And I was doing a bit of research on this and I found a great episode, uh, a great blog post, sorry, by Jaina Fadness, who's a friend of mine. I met her in um, in Montreal, in Canada this summer. And she, she some years ago now, she wrote a post on the Polyglot Dream, which is Luca Lampariello's blog. Um, and she called the post, Do You Need to Live Abroad to Learn a Language? And it's a very interesting, uh, very honest, reflective look at her experiences of living abroad. Um, so I definitely recommend you go and read that post. That will give you a lot of inspiration. Jane is great as well. Um, I'm sure, Rana, you will relate to her if you read her experiences. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, which will be at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 148. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you back in the next episode of the podcast. Adios.